Blog Talk Radio. Everyone and welcome back to another episode of I Saw the Beatles. This week we're talking with uh, Kathy Bushnell. Uh, Kathy got to see the the Beatles play at Shea Stadium, and I know that we just listened to another uh, fan who had been at the Shea Stadium concert. But I I really believe that everybody that uh, everybody's story is unique and exciting. And so this week we're gonna you know. Go back again to Shea Stadium, August 1965, and let's hear Kathy's story. Hi, Kathy. How are you? Hi, Jen. Good morning. I'm happy to be here. Great. Okay, so let's just dig right in. Um, it's April. It's ni- April 15th, 1965. How did you get your tickets to see the Beatles at Shea? Well, um, I wanted to start back, if that's okay with you, just the first time I heard the Beatles. Absolutely. It's, Let's hear it's, that. It's, it's kind of uh, funny in a way. I was mm-hmm. at, thank you. I was at actually um, at a um, Girl Scout meeting. <laughs> and we were folding triangle Red Cross bandages, and this girl had snuck in a transistor radio, and she turned it on in the middle of the meeting. And the DJ said, I'm going to now be playing, you know, the wonderful new Beatles song, I Want to Hold Your Hand. And we're going to also play She Loves You. Well, long story short, that was the end of the meeting, and we all gathered around the table and listened to the Beatles. And I love their harmonies. They have a catchy tune, and I was mesmerized. So I just wanted to say that. And a couple of days later, they were on the first um, Ed Sullivan appearance, you know, on the Ed Sullivan show making their first appearance. Mm-hmm. So that, that was great. And then my brother and I, older brother and I, became big Beatles fans and I bought posters, and my bedroom wall was plastered with posters and things, and we saw the movie A Hard Day's Night, and I did And who was, buy... who was your favorite? Um, I, I varied. In the beginning, my favorite was George Harrison. I thought mm-hmm. he was kind of cute, you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, 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 but I really loved them all for different reasons, you know. Okay, so you, didn't have, had... you didn't have just one one, you know, a Beatles poster and then all these pictures of John or all these pictures of Paul. No, you had everybody. Actually, I had everybody, and I also had some Rolling Stones posters, too. Um, mm-hmm. But I did buy one of the, um, order one of DJ Murray the K's. Uh, he did a 33 RPM record about, of um, interviews with the Beatles that he had, and it was called Murray the K as it happened. And mm-hmm. um, so that was my one of my souvenirs. So now, flash forward to summer of 65, and you were asking about Beatles, right, at Shea. Mm-hmm. Go ahead. What were right. you asking? So uh, I was wondering, how did you get your tickets? seems like everybody has a different story about how they acquired their tickets to concerts, Beatles concerts. Right. Did, um, well, did you just order yours? I mean, it was sold out before I could even, I mean, it just sold out immediately, and I wasn't fast enough. Um, there were several radio contests. DJs, you know, contests mm-hmm. for winning tickets. I entered, but I did not win. My older brother, who's two years older than me, I was 16 in 65. And mm-hmm. so a couple of his friends had um, 
as they say, scored some tickets. So he was able to get a ticket, not me. And I was happy for him, but disappointed for myself. And mm-hmm. then one of those moments where one of the uh, of his friends who had a ticket couldn't go. So they mm-hmm. gave the ticket to my brother who gave it to me. Yay. 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 I was over the moon and barely slept the night before the concert. <laughs> <laughs> so so we're, you get – you get to the concert, you and your older brother. Um, where were your seats? Okay. We were sitting not in the total nosebleed area, but sort of the, I believe it was the second deck, okay? I'm not sure. Mm-hmm. It could have been the second or third. We were sort of between third base and home plate. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it was a pretty good view. Um, it was just up pretty high, you know. R- right, right. And so tell us about your experience. What did what what was what was I mean, you know, did you did you get all dressed up, you know, like a lot of the girls did with your hair and everything well, and Yeah, I mean, I didn't really get dressed up in terms of clothing cuz I wanted to be comfortable and I knew I'd be high up and everything, but mm-hmm. you know, up in the stands, but I made sure to do my hair and I guess it was sort of my George Harrison influence, but his girlfriend Patty Boyd I had the similar hair, not as nice as hers, but, you know, so I kind of teased it a little bit, and it was blonde like her sort of, so, in a, you know, shoulder length, a little longer. Mm-hmm. So I kind of went looking like her as best I could. <laughs> um, but did your brother, your, I guess your brother wasn't that, you know, was he wearing a Beatles haircut at the time or anything like that? Actually, I mean, he was. His hair was styled, um, you know, in the Beatles kind of, uh, you know, over the forehead. Uh, yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. <laughs> yeah. So the I, other that, that's, that's interesting because, I, I, I mean, as I said, the, the big thing with the guys always seemed to be the Beatle boots, you know, not that <clears throat> they didn't do their hair and all that stuff, but they seemed to always want to wear those Beatle boots was a big thing. Um so it's interesting he, he didn't to hear. He did have you know, the Beatles boots, but his hair was always like the Beatles once they were out, mm-hmm. you know. So, what was your experience like at Shea? Okay, well, it was exciting from the moment um, we actually took this. I lived in Manhattan with my family, so we took the subway out to Shea Stadium in Queens, mm-hmm. and there were just fans, you know, packing the subway. So, it was exciting, it was kind of a party atmosphere even going there. And then, um, you know, to go into the stadium just was the excitement just grew. And um, so basically, when we were sitting and waiting for the crowd, um, there were lots, I looked around, there were lots of uniformed police on the playing field occasionally try and get out of their seats, you know, Mm -hmm. (laughs) after Mm -hmm. the concert started. I had binoculars um, that I had brought and mm-hmm. I was looking around, and I happened to see who I thought was Mick Jagger and Keith Richards of the Rolling Stones sitting in the crowd somewhere sort of behind home plate. Wow. So I Googled that years later, and uh, um, they did attend that concert. So I thought it was very interesting that they had come to see, you know, the Beatles playing at Shea Stadium. <laughs> I thought that was wow. great. You know? Wow. Wow. I never yes, heard that it, before, but wow. It was, well, I, you know, I um, 
I was fans of both the Beatles and the Rolling Stones, which is kind of unusual because many people were like either or. And for me, I like them mm-hmm. for different reasons. But mm-hmm. um, the main thing that I felt when I was waiting for the Beatles to appear at that concert at Shea Stadium was that I had a feeling that as I was sitting there that I was going to be witnessing history in the making. It was just a feeling I had within me. And in fact, the Beatles at Shea Stadium concert has later been called the most famous gig in rock and roll history. So I'm so Mm -hmm. glad I was there. So they arrived by by helicopter, but um, we could see the helicopter but it didn't land inside, you know, in front of the fans. Mm-hmm. So um, apparently Ed Sullivan introduced them. I don't remember Ed Sullivan <laughs> introducing them. But when the Beatles rushed on stage, of course, there were 55,600 fans. Mm-hmm. The roar to me, I wanted to describe the roar of the crowd, to me was not only audible, but it was like physical. It was almost like a tidal wave coming all you know spreading throughout the stadium it was wow. huge so it was like this roar sort of of people screaming but it was also just the energy um it, it was amazing um i did not scream because i want i did play some guitar by then and some piano and i wanted to hear them play as best i could so i didn't but i do remember also that you could hear a bit occasionally which was amazing um the mm-hmm. sound kind of seemed to float upwards a little occasionally so i feel i can say i heard them a little mm-hmm. um and did it I, um I, yes. were you disappointed in the fact that you were standing there not able to hear them um no because i was so excited to see them play in person um i was very you know i was disappointed but I was just, for me, it was a little bit different for me because during the concert, I wasn't like screaming for one of the Beatles. I mm-hmm. wasn't screaming. I, my attention was focused sort of on two things. And one was grooving, you know, on the Fab Four mm-hmm. know, as world-renowned icons. But also, at the same time, I was mesmerized by watching how they were playing their instruments how they were harmonizing into the microphone. You couldn't hear it all the time, but, you know, how, like, mm-hmm. George and Paul shared one microphone a lot. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And and how George was playing guitar and John was, you know, bouncing up and down. And it was and Paul was very attentive to the crowd. You know, he was always yeah. a, sort of a showman. Mm-hmm. And so I kind of looked at that and the interaction between the four of them you know, watching them look at each other or nod or send cues. You could see enough. And remember, I have binoculars, too. So mm-hmm. so that's kind of how I saw it. Mm-hmm. So so uh, you're watching intentively, watching, you know, how they're performing, their cues, playing their instruments and stuff like that. And you said you were a musician at the time, that you played guitar and piano. Now, were you an active musician? I mean, were you... Uh, or were you still at the lesson stage, you know, um, just learning? I was at the lesson stage at that point, but I was writing songs of my own, you know, tinkering around and then writing songs of my own. My family was fairly musical, so 
um, you know, we we had a little family, what we called orchestra, and we all played mm-hmm. different instruments. Um, I was just very always listening, um, you know, to the radio and seeing what records were out and things like that. So, um, yeah, and you said the Beatles influenced you to to start your own your own musical career, and you eventually did come together with another musician to form a band, well, a duo, you and another woman. Uh, what was her first name? Sharon? Janet. Her name was Janet. Janet. And you and formed... And we met in college. We met in college, actually. Okay, so this is this is several years later, or a couple of years later. Right. What happened and... was I actually didn't, I always knew that I wanted to play, you know, rock and roll. Mm-hmm. Um. And so, you know, I was, a few years later, I became even more of sort of an Anglophile, and, you know, I I just had that in in my mind. Um, And so there was just a summer trip that was coming up given by my college, and so I couldn't find anyone to go with me. My parents wouldn't let me go unless there was another young woman who went with me. And so Mm -hmm. by chance, um, I met... Janet at the college as well, and um, we just went on this vacation. But during this vacation, which was not escorted, okay, so it was Mm -hmm. 10 weeks in Europe and Britain if you wanted. You could go wherever you wanted. And so we we went to Scandinavia and Great Britain and France, and we ended up meeting again by chance. Um, a musician from Britain in Copenhagen, and he invited us to a gig that night, and then the story goes on and on. And um, we became friends with him and stayed with him, and, you know, just as friends. We were never groupies. And Mm -hmm. so we just met a lot of musicians that summer. I think he packed your guitars with you. No, we did not. No, because, you know, we were... Not hitchhiking, but, you know, we had to travel fairly lightly. And so, no, we didn't, because I did not at that time even know that she was writing songs. Okay? We had not discussed it. We didn't go to Britain to do that, okay? We Mm -hmm. went to see, just to experience Britain. And we ended up making a lot of friends with musicians. And then... We, I don't want to go into it too much, but, you know, we went back the five, six months later. We, we decided when on the plane coming back after that summer that we were going to move to Britain <laughs> literally, <laughs> and go and live there because we fell in love with it, London especially. And so, um, so when we moved back, just to give a little sort of titillating bit, um, we ended up living next door to several bands, and one musician who was Tony Kay um, lived next door to us, and we were kind of there around the time when Yes was formed. And he encouraged wow. us because I was started writing songs again, and then Janet and I had a discussion. Hey, you play, I you know, write, and we both did, and he heard us playing our songs together, and he said, why don't you become, you know, a chick rock duo? So he, and we wanted to, and we knew we wanted to, but he sort of confirmed it and encouraged it. And then and, we and auditioned. So, 
Yeah. So you can so you were actually graced with the title of and and you know, I want you to say it so I, I get it right. The first female rock okay. duo, is that? Okay, well, we weren't that wasn't the title that anyone gave us. We just mm-hmm. happened to be the first female rock duo in Britain. And John Peel, one of the DJs in Britain who we spoke with, uh, confirmed that we were the first female rock duo in Britain. And what year um, is this? What, okay, about what year? Uh, we, co- we, were co- we co-founded our duo in 1968. And it was called Okay, it Emily? was called it was called Emily Muff, which had yeah, a Emily M U F F Muff. So if right. anybody's listening wants to look it up, you, there's actually some you can find audio of them singing and uh, with pictures on YouTube. Look up Emily well, Muff. Yeah, or you can go to um, the website um, that of, I have a book out now, um, KathyBushnell dot com. K A T H Y Bushnell. Mm-hmm. I'll put a link. I'll put a link out for it. Right, so they but can I'm saying that that that's where they can hear some, some sound bites and uh, read more about my story. Um, right, and we, as as we said, you have you do have a book out. You wrote a book that came out earlier this year uh, called M and Moo um, about this whole experience. I mean, you talk about the Beatles concert, yes. Um, yes, I do. I do. And and, and then you talk yes. about <clears throat> becoming a music. It's a whole story that you just said, but in more detail about becoming this band that you know, this duo that that's uh, traveling around around uh, you know Europe, and you even played the Royal Albert Hall. Yes, that was our final gig. We played the Royal Albert Hall. We were an opening act for for um, two fairly big name bands, Family and Quintessence in Britain. However, when Family, who we primarily toured with, um, they were very very famous, you know, in Britain. And mm-hmm. um, so we didn't. We played maybe just a couple of clubs, but mostly concert halls. Immediately went into concert halls, and so. Um, but family was often billed with other big name bands, so we would be opening concerts for those, you know, dual sorts of uh, concerts. And so my um, trailblazing chick rock duo was on the same bill as like Yes and The Move, Steppenwolf, Vandergrass wow. Generator, and The Nice, and then America. Wow. So, well, so, so we cool. were opening act at the Albert Hall. Um, that wasn't supposed to be our final concert, but it was turned out to be because um, we went back but to the What a way to end, end it, though, at Royal yeah, that, Albert I'm Hall. I'm actually very glad that that was because it was a milestone for our duo. And, you know, it was just to play the Royal Albert Hall is was a dream come true. So... Um, but I, you know, I tell all about that in the book, and and mm-hmm. sort of the trials also because it was a male-dominated world of rock, you know, definitely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and absolutely. How we dealt with that. So, um, but I'm proud that I was a uh, trailblazing rocker chick. <laughs> definitely. Absolutely. And, um, and real quick, there was you had a story about the Rolling Stones, I believe, for anybody who's fans with the you know, Rolling Stones fans, which, you know, sometimes that's considered blasphemy for the big time 
Beatles fans, but um, yeah, actually, it was just a couple of months after the um, you know the Shea Stadium concert that um, I heard that the Rolling Stones were going to be stopping by this uh, club in Manhattan. And, of course, I managed to convince my brother to take me. He was more of a Beatles fan, you know. And Mm -hmm. we would argue back and forth, playfully bantering Beatles versus Stones (laughs) kind of thing. But I loved them both, you know. I really did. Uh But anyway, I was 16 again, as I said, and um, I met several members of the Stones that night at the club. And it was phenomenal. I described that. And then... It's funny, I just wanted to say one other thing, and that my brother on the way home in the cab after going to, you know, when I was 16, the first time we met them, mm-hmm. and he, he said something like, be glad, you know, you saw the Stones tonight, met them in person, because it's a once-in-a-lifetime experience. And I muttered under my breath, that's what you think. <laughs> and, and, I take it, and I take it you met them again? I met them again, and they also requested that we come into their studio recording session and how we did dealt with that. And they were mentioned about – Mick and Keith especially are mentioned about four times in my book. Um, awesome. They're, they're so everybody needs a, to pick up, pick up this book. It's available on Amazon. As I said, it, it's titled M and Moo, Legacy of a 60s Female Rock Duo. Um, yeah, go pick it up. I mean, this is interesting, and you get to hear all the details and everything. Well, thank you so much, Kathy, for sharing your story with us. It was fantastic. And, thank uh, you. I enjoyed and I'll have to, I'm, have to, I'm going to have to pick up your book. i I, I got to read these stories. It's, this just sounds amazing. And, yeah, it's, uh, it's a pretty quick read. You know, it's not uh, – terribly esoteric i wrote it for people of all ages you know and it's just a journey from the first page you know it's a journey you go on it with us so i would love for you to read it yeah and and inspiration compliments of the beatles at shea stadium absolutely Thank you again, Kathy, and everybody join us next week for another episode of I Saw the Beatles.